welcome to the Church of Christ the King in Bramley Road, Cockfosters. The church is absolutely packed. Many people have travelled a long way to be here on this Monday evening, the 1st of October, 1979. Our meeting this evening is being led by Don Benedict, and the speaker will be the Reverend Colin Urquhart. everybody, especially those who haven't been here before, and in fact we're just going to continue doing now what we've already started doing, worshipping God, worshipping Jesus, worshipping the Holy Spirit, because our purpose in gathering here on Monday nights is to praise, worship and adore God, which is really the first commandment, it's really giving ourselves the first commandment, and you know, so often we Christians, we neglect it, and as far as we pray, we're always asking for things, or at best saying, life will be done. But the main theme in prayer should basically be adoring God, just as the Our Father starts with that. And that we find that when we really give ourselves to adoring God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength, then he bestows wonderful blessings upon us. You know, so Jesus promised peace, he promised joy, he promised love, he promised power, he promised healing, and we don't see all that much of that in all our churches, do we? We do see something, thank God, and we see more and more, but all the same. And I think it's largely because we neglect this first commandment of praising, adoring, and thanking God. So that is our first purpose in being here tonight, to really give our whole being with all our strength, not just, just, not just a sort of fairly feeble praising with our lips, but, you know, the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, everything. And that's how we're called to praise him tonight, to love him with every atom of our being. And as we do that, we can be sure that our praises will go up to him and his blessings will be flooding down on us. I'll read this psalm, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. And Jesus, we ask you to be with us tonight, our protection, our strength, our inspiration. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit upon us and fill us with the gift of praise and thanksgiving and adoration. We ask that we may do so in great love for each other. We ask that your protecting hand may be upon us too, that through your precious blood you may protect us tonight and at all times and fill us more and more with the spirit of love and praise and thanksgiving. Do we all know, I think we know that song, don't we? Come bless the Lord, which I believe I learnt in Collins Church in Luton to start with. Uh, should we stand and sing, Come bless the Lord?
God as he gives it. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you. My people, I will pour forth my blessings on you if you will listen to me. Open the ears of your hearts and minds and listen to me. I wish to speak my word to you. Turn to me, open to receive my blessings. I will come, I will bless you, I will be with you. Now just a word of welcome to Colin. 
we are most grateful that he's come here and in fact so, so obviously of you because you've come in such vast numbers uh, and actually this prayer group does owe a lot to Colin because when we were starting about seven or seven and a half years ago quite a number of us used to go from time to time on Sunday evenings to Luton and sit at Colin's feet and hear his preaching on praise and uh, it really sort of helped us right from the start and in fact Colin has been here at least once before, was it once or twice Colin? One, twice, twice and, uh, and taught us and it is you know, a great joy that he's back with us again and I might say that it's a, an added joy for myself. Uh, I once went to Luton, it must be about several years ago now, to be ministered to by Colin. I was mainly seeking inner healing, but at the same time I, I was booked into the hospital for an operation on my right cartilage. You know, I'd been x-rayed and I'd seen the specialist and uh, he said, well, it's just a matter of fixing the date of the operation and that was fixed and I had physical therapy, physiotherapy three afternoons a week. And I, when I walked downstairs, I could only put the right foot first. And people had prayed for healing, but in fact, I thought God was going to heal it through the doctor. And I limped into Colin's church, and he and another person prayed, and I ran out of that church. <laughs> Literally, it ran between the church and the, and the vicarage. And I came back and walked up and down those stairs, and uh, there was no operation. So I have an added reason for thanking Colin. Colin. that you will be glorified in all the earth. And we know, Father, that if that is to happen, you are to be glorified in our lives. We ask you to teach us tonight to let your Holy Spirit be our teacher and to bring to life your word so that we can understand what it is for you to be glorified in our lives and how you can use us to extend that glory in all your earth. And Father, we thank you that you've already spoken by a word of prophecy and told us that you want us to listen to your word and that you want to bless us. And so, Father, we pray that every one of us will have listening hearts, open minds to receive your word, and that your grace will be at work within us to enable us to respond to that word, to your praise and glory. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's good to be here with you. And uh, to have two members of the community, our community with me, David, who's just been leading some of the praise and teaching you that song, and Charles, who's been playing the remains of the Priory piano. <laughs> 
I assure you he can play the piano properly <laughs> when it's got all the notes. <coughs> uh, the scriptures tell us that the Lord wants us to have every blessing in abundance, so we'll pray for a new piano for the priories. <laughs> Jesus had a very simple message. And it's only we who try to complicate it. His simple message is summed up in the opening words of his ministry when he began to preach and to proclaim the Word of God. Remember, he came as the Word of God. The Word of God made flesh to dwell among us. And Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And that really sums up the whole of his gospel. And it's amazing how often we hear preachers preach without proclaiming the kingdom. And yet as you read the gospels, you'll see that Jesus is constantly proclaiming the kingdom. He is preaching of the kingdom of God. And when he says repent, he means not just, um, uh, not just ask God to forgive your sins, but he means turn your life over to God. Turn your life over to God because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is at hand. In other words, Jesus was saying, the kingdom of heaven is within your grasp. You only have to reach out and take hold of it. That with the coming of Jesus, there is the coming of the King. And hallelujah that we're meeting in the Church of Christ the King tonight. With the coming of Jesus, there is the coming of the kingdom. Wherever Jesus is, and is allowed to exercise his lordship, there is the reign of God. And you know, I believe that in these last years, we've been in danger of putting the emphasis in the wrong place. Because we've heard a lot about the renewal of the church, but very little about the extension of the kingdom. And in fact, Jesus teaches very little about the church. He mentions the church hardly at all. He says to Peter at Caesarea Philippi, when Peter acknowledges him to be the Christ, he promises that he will build his church. But as soon as he said that, he immediately gets back to his kingdom language. And he says to Peter, I give you the keys of the kingdom. In other words, now that Peter has proclaimed and acknowledged him to be the Christ, 
He has the keys of the kingdom. And you see, that's the substance of what Jesus wants us to understand. That with his coming, the kingdom of heaven is within reach. It's within our grasp. And when we acknowledge Jesus to be the Christ, we have the keys of the kingdom. We have entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Into the kingdom of God. And Jesus told many parables about the kingdom because that's where he wanted the emphasis to be. He came to establish the kingdom of God, the reign of God in all the earth. Not simply a church to be some institution of believers. The church he establishes as his body but for a very particular re reason. The role, the ministry that the body has to fulfill is to proclaim the kingdom. And the commission that God gives to us as his church of whatever denomination is to go and extend the borders of his kingdom here on earth. And so when Jesus teaches us what we call the Lord's Prayer, but it's really our prayer, isn't it? The prayer he gives us to pray. When he teaches us that prayer, he doesn't mention his church as such, but the very heart of the prayer is the kingdom. After the opening, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, then the very first thing we're told to pray for is the coming of the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what Jesus intends with that prayer, as with any prayer that he teaches us to pray, is not simply that we shall be prayers of the prayer, but that we should be prepared to be the answer to our prayer. Never pray any prayer that you're not prepared to be the answer to. Because so often, God will want to minister, not always, but often God will want to minister to us and through us to be the answer to that prayer. And you see, as God's people, as his church, as the body of Christ, we have this great commission to be the answer as well as the prayers to the kingdom of God coming among men, that of the will of God being established and accomplished here on earth. And that's a noble task that isn't the result simply of the priests or ministers or preachers or evangelists. As we turn the pages of Scripture and see what Jesus says in the Gospel, uh, we see that it's the commission that he gives to all believers to be witnesses of the kingdom, to go and preach the kingdom and to do the works of the kingdom. Now, hands up those of you who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Right. Well, now, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to St. John's Gospel, chapter 14. And verse 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me 
will do what I have been doing. Now this is Jesus speaking, all right? Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. Let's see those hands again. Hands up those who have faith, who believe in Jesus. All right, put them down. Now hands up all those who will do the same things as Jesus is doing. Now look here, friends, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> you see, what we have just manifested is not faith, but unbelief. We have just committed, many of us, the sin of unbelief. And I believe that that is the greatest sin in the Bible, and it's still today the greatest sin in the world and the greatest sin in the church. We are guilty of unbelief. And it doesn't matter how many times we say the creed, doesn't matter how many hymns we sing, and how many new choruses we learn, and how many services we attend, if we have that heart of unbelief, still we do not please God. You know why? Because it says in the scriptures that all that is not of faith is sin. And it also says in the scriptures that without faith it is impossible to please God. So we sort of nervously chuckle about it, but in fact it's a very serious matter. You see, God is not pleased if we don't believe what his son says. Can you understand that? That if you believe Jesus, you believe his words. He is the word of God. And if you don't believe what he says, then there is somewhere unbelief concerning Jesus Christ doesn't mean that you don't believe that he is the Lord and that he is the Savior, but it means that there is unbelief about what he says about you. You see, Jesus says, anyone who has faith, not just some mighty miracle worker or healer or someone with a great charismatic ministry or anything of that sort, he says, anyone who has faith will do what I have been doing. And what had Jesus been doing? Jesus had been speaking about the kingdom, and Jesus had been doing more than that, he had been doing the works of the kingdom. Speaking isn't enough. If we're speaking about the kingdom of God, then we are promised that signs and wonders will accompany what we say. There is always a test as to whether the kingdom of God, as to whether the gospel is truly being proclaimed, and that is whether there's any signs following. Because you see, what God promises us is that if the gospel is proclaimed, there will be signs following. 
And what Jesus says here is anyone who has faith in me will do what I'm doing. He doesn't say can do, he doesn't say it's possible, but if you have faith in me, you will do what I have been doing. Isn't that extraordinary? Some of you don't look very happy about it. I, thought, I think it's a tremendous promise. Because what, what uh, Jesus is saying, you see, is that if we live up to the potential that is ours, we can do what he does. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we live up to the potential that is ours, nothing will be impossible for us. That's another thing Jesus says. He who has faith in me, for him nothing will be impossible. Now how on earth can scriptures like this become meaningful to us? How on earth can we live up to them? How can they be part of our experience? Well, the secret is in this phrase, the kingdom of God. If we're going to do as Jesus did, then we've got to get our, our speaking and our witness right. Now, not all of us are called to be preachers. Hallelujah. But we are all called to be witnesses. Jesus said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and away to the ends of the earth and that includes Cockfosters and district. You will be my witnesses. You'll receive power to enable you to do that. And what are you witnessing? The life of the kingdom. And Jesus said a number of very important things about the kingdom. He said, fear not, little flock. The Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. And we must understand the kingdom not in some future sense, as something that happens to us when we die, but Jesus says, look, with my coming, the kingdom is at hand when you profess that I am the Christ, then you receive the keys of the kingdom. You become part of the kingdom. You are born again of the Spirit of God. You are a child of God. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven right here and now. Of course, there is also that sense in which the kingdom is constantly coming, constantly coming to earth, constantly coming into the lives of men. There is that sense in which we will enter into the full glory and the wonder of the kingdom of heaven when we've finished our time on this earth and go to be with the Lord. But what the Gospels are also clear about uh, is this, that whether we go to be with the Lord in the glory of the kingdom depends very much upon whether we are part of the kingdom here and now. That Jesus is sent by the Father to make the kingdom of God a present reality. Fear not, little flock, your Father has chosen to give you the kingdom. So turn your lives over to him, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And among the many parables that Jesus taught about the kingdom, two very short ones, but very precious ones, literally very precious. Because in one he says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure that was buried in a field. 
And a man discovered it, and he quickly covered it up. He didn't want to lose it, and he went and he sold everything that he had, and he bought that field so that the treasure would be his. Now the interesting thing is, you see, Jesus doesn't say that he is the treasure. He doesn't say his spirit is the treasure. But the kingdom of heaven is the treasure. And that the man was prepared to sell everything that he had in order that he could possess the kingdom right here and now. And uh, immediately afterwards, Jesus tells another parable with a very similar meaning. That there was a woman who discovered a pearl of great price. So she went and sold everything that she had so that she could buy that pearl, so that she could have that treasure. Have it as her own to possess the kingdom. Nothing else was worth anything in comparison to having the kingdom. Now we've got to really hear what Jesus is saying here because he's not saying that he is the treasure or that he is the great pearl but the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is. One thing is sure, you cannot enter that kingdom, you cannot be part of that kingdom, you cannot possess the kingdom without Jesus because it is he who is the king who heralds the kingdom. There's no way to the Father except through him. But Jesus, you see, is saying, look, when you have me, you have more than me as a person to love and to worship and adore. You have me and you need to rejoice and be glad in that. But you have more than me, you have heaven. Now, Paul puts the same thing in a different way. When he's writing to the Ephesians, he says that every blessing in the heavenly places is already ours in Christ Jesus, that God has given us in Christ every blessing in the heavenly realms. Not that he will, but that he has already. You see, when we do what Jesus said, when we repent, when we turn our lives over to God, when we accept Jesus to be the Lord, to be the Christ, then God puts us in his Son and we live in him. In God we live and move and have our being as we read in Acts. And God also lives in us. Jesus comes to live in us. God brings us spiritually alive so that the Spirit of God, God himself, that is, the third person of the Trinity, the person of God, is living within us. God does all that. And because we live in Jesus, and he lives in us, all the blessings of heaven are ours, are our inheritance. Not will be when we physically die, but are our inheritance here and now. And what God wants, you see, is not unbelief, but faith in his word. Faith to believe that we have what he says we have. Faith to believe that we can do what he says we can do. 
then we are able to take to ourselves those riches that he's made available to us. And you see what prayer should be is a release of our faith to God to take to ourselves more and more of those heavenly blessings of those riches that are our inheritance in Christ. It isn't that we're trying to get God to do things that he doesn't really want to do. It isn't that we're trying to twist the heavenly arm and say, come on God, give us a blessing. But of having the faith to enter in and receive what is our inheritance. Why? Because we have the treasure. We have the kingdom. We have discovered the pearl of great price. But I believe that there are many here who haven't really discovered that treasure. You can see from the look on your faces that some of you are looking very wistful. Well, I wish I had that treasure. And you see what God wants to reveal to you tonight is that you do already have it. Uh, many of you will be thinking, well, I, I don't know that I have it. But if you have the king, you have the kingdom. And what God wants us to understand is that not only do we have Christ the King, but we already have the riches of heaven available to us. We have that treasure, we have that pearl of great price. And so the Lord says, well, come and enjoy me and my kingly reign, and come and believe and enjoy all the heavenly riches that I make available to you. This is the good news of the kingdom. See? This is what Jesus was concerned to preach. Not church. He preached the kingdom. He preached that all this is yours when you turn your lives over to me. You have the treasure. Understand? Now the church is to be the first fruits of the kingdom. The church is the body of people who live in Christ who are to manifest to the world the life of the kingdom. The life that we are supposed to live together as the body of Christ is the kingdom life. In reality, in the church as we know it here on earth, there are some who are part of the church who know that they are part of the kingdom. There are others who are not. And that's what prevents the kingdom from for, for the church from really manifesting the life of the kingdom in the way that God intends. And praise God that there's a lot of converting, renewing, uh, infilling of the Holy Spirit going on within the church. Because that needs to happen. More and more people are coming to a realization of what it means to repent and take hold of the kingdom of heaven that is at hand. You don't possess that kingdom simply by a ritualistic kind of church life. Many of us were brought up in that and many of us realized just how many of the riches we'd missed until that time when the Spirit of God brought everything alive for us. And all those things that we'd been doing so much uh, out of, of habit suddenly were endued with new life and new meaning. Because the Spirit is making real the reality of the kingdom of God here and now in our lives. We need to understand that that's what's happening. 
But we need to understand also the power and the authority that God gives us. It would be good for us to be able to go through all the kingdom scriptures in the Gospels just to see what power and authority God has given us as believers. But there, there isn't time for all that. You remember that Jesus told the parable of the wheat and the tares, that the farmer sowed wheat in his field and along came someone else, the enemy, and sowed the tares, and they both began to grow up together. And the farm workers came and said, well, shall we pull up the weeds? Shall we pull up the tares? And the farmer says, no, don't do that, because as you pull up some of the weeds, you'll pull up some of the good wheat. Let them all grow together. The time of sifting and of sorting out will come. My angels will do that at the end of the age. And that's a picture of the world, and that's a picture of, of what the church has become, that we see growing up within the church the wheat and the tares, and there will come the sifting, there will come the time when God's angels will do the refining work. And you see the difference between wheat and tares, wheat and weeds, is this, that wheat is fruitful. And the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, is like this, you see. The kingdom of God, he says, is like this. And that if we are the stalks of wheat in that parable, then we will be fruitful for the kingdom. To be fruitful for God means that we will be fruitful for the kingdom of God. Repent, turn to God, for the kingdom is at hand. And you see, all that is potentially there for every member of the church. All that is potentially there for all mankind. Only as we turn to God and enter into that inheritance that he makes available to us are we able to live it and share it and be fruitful. And God's intention is that we be fruitful and multiply. And the glorious thing about the kingdom, that treasure, that pearl of great price, is that it's so wonderful when you discover the kingdom of God that you cannot keep it to yourself. If anybody wants to keep their faith to themselves, there's one thing that's absolutely certain, they've never discovered that treasure. When you know that treasure, you want to tell everybody about it. You want everybody to enjoy it. Because you realize how sad and empty life is without that treasure and the fearful end that is to come. Jesus describes it as hellfire, as the wailing and grinding of teeth. Well, I don't quite know what that's like, but if it's a question of that or the kingdom of heaven, I know which one I'm having. <laughs> and I know which one God desires for every man, woman, and child. And that's why there is such a sense of urgency in the gospel because Jesus knew that it was either the kingdom or the wailing and grinding of teeth for every man, woman and child and he desired to draw all men into the kingdom. Go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in, he said. But he also gave a warning that many of those who thought they were in the kingdom weren't. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But those who do the will of my Father, 
who is in heaven. And what is the will of the Father? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That the Lord calls us all to share in that task of bringing his kingdom and his will to be accomplished here on earth. That's why Jesus says, if you have faith in me, you can do what I've been doing. And what I've been doing is sharing the kingdom of God. Proclaiming the kingdom of God. What a noble task for God to call us to. And you see, I guess many of us would want to opt out of it and say, oh, but I'm just an ordinary Christian. I just want to go to Mass or I just want to go to church and uh, say my prayers and read my Bible and come to the prayer meeting and the odd renewal conference and do my good works and just plod on. Well, that might be what you want. But God has much greater ideas for you than that. Because what God confronts all of us with is this. Will you give your life to me for the sake of the kingdom? <coughs> Will you give your life to me for the sake of the kingdom? And he gives us a warning. He says, he who seeks to save his own life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake for the gospel's sake, for the kingdom's sake, he will find it. Will you give your life to me for the sake of the kingdom? Will you not only know and discover that treasure, that pearl of great price for yourself, but will you give yourself in prayer to God? To pray faithfully for those who are not part of the kingdom but to pray with faith and be prepared to be part of the answer to that prayer of being willing to talk about the kingdom of God to use the opportunities that God provides to witness and to speak of your love for him and of God's love for his people will you not only pray the prayer but be prepared to be the answer you see to hear the continuation of this address, would you please stop your machine now and turn the cassette over? Thank you. You're prepared to give your time to see that when you get, go into the fullness of the kingdom yourself, you don't go empty-handed. I don't believe that God wants any of us slinking into his kingdom by the back door and saying, well, Lord, I'm here. Because I believe he says to us, and who have you brought with you? Because that's the responsibility that all of us have. And again, the Gospels are quite amazing in what they say. All power and authority is given to us. In Jesus' name. Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus says that whatever we bind on earth is already bound in heaven. What we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. 
And what we need to understand is that so many of the people who don't know the king and don't know the glory of the kingdom have a spiritual problem. It's not simply that we need to go and try to persuade them into the kingdom of God, but as children of the kingdom, we've got to exercise the spiritual authority that God gives us and rebuke the spiritual forces that hold people in bondage to unbelief, to the things of this world. God gives us the authority to do that, and so often people are not open to the words of the gospel because we haven't exercised that spiritual authority. They're unable to hear, they're unable to respond. The word just doesn't get through because of the spiritual forces of unbelief that are there. What God wants is, is for us to be praying with faith and with authority, the, the authority that is there for all the children of the kingdom. I want you to get into the Gospels. I, I've got a Technicolor Bible. I go through and I, I mark different themes of different colors, and I've got a color for the kingdom. Go through the Gospels. And, and use a colored pencil and underline or shade in or do something to pick out all the sayings about the kingdom. You remember that the people that Jesus preached to, many of them couldn't understand his concept of the kingdom. They couldn't understand how the kingdom of God could be uh, amongst them. But Jesus said this to the disciples. He said, To you, God has decided to reveal the secrets of the kingdom. And that's a tremendous statement that God has chosen to reveal to us who are his children, who are his people, who are his church. He's chosen to reveal to us the secrets of his kingdom. That the kingdom is not just at hand, but we can take the kingdom to ourselves. That every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is ours to accept by faith, to walk in the power of God's constant giving to us. It's absolutely tremendous to understand what it is that Jesus is saying. You don't have to walk by fear when you know that you're part of the kingdom. You don't have to worry about what's going to happen to you when you die when you know you're part of the kingdom. You don't have to question whether God wants to heal you or not when you know you're part of the kingdom. You don't have to worry about whether God has accepted you or desires to bless you or not when you are a part of the kingdom. And you don't have to worry about the rebuke and the rebuff and the understanding that might be yours if you try to share the Lord Christ with anybody else once you know that you're part of the kingdom. Because you'll know that it's true what Jesus says, you are blessed when men persecute you and revile you and speak all manner of evil against you for my sake, for great is your reward in heaven. You know, you see, that you're already about heaven's work. You're already doing heaven's work when you're sharing the kingdom. Of course, there can't be any kingdom without the king. 
The only way into the kingdom is Jesus. But there are so many people who accept the Lord, who confess faith in the Lord, and yet who don't enter into the reality and the fullness of their inheritance in the kingdom. And it's very interesting, you know, because it says in the Gospels that when Jesus appeared to the disciples in his risen body, what did he do with them for 40 days? Now, he was just about to establish the church, wasn't he? The day of Pentecost and all that followed. You would think that he would have sat down and taught them about what the church was to be and what they were to do and what their ministry was to be and, and, and how they were to organize things. and how. It, you see, because that's how a committee of the church today would do it, isn't it? You know, you can imagine a bishop leaving his diocese to go on a, a tour of the world for a year and getting his staff together and saying, now while I'm away, this is what you're to do and this is what you're not to do and this is what you're to organize and that's not what you... But you see, Jesus didn't do that. It says in the scriptures that what he did for 40 days was to teach them about the kingdom of God. You'd think that they have had enough of that in the previous three years, wouldn't you? For three years he'd been teaching about the kingdom. He's crucified, he's risen, he appears to them. And what does he do? For the last 40 days he sits them down and teaches them about the kingdom of God. And what was Paul's message? Paul was precisely the same. You look up all the kingdom scriptures that there are in the Acts and in the, in the Epistles and you will see that the Paul's message was simply this. When he went out into the world, he simply proclaimed the kingdom of God. For three months, he says, in one place, I moved amongst you preaching the kingdom of God. In another place, he says, from morning to night, I did not stop proclaiming to you the kingdom of God. Well, we've only just started in that case, haven't we? <laughs> but you see, that was his message, to proclaim the kingdom. Not simply the king, but the kingdom. That with the king, there comes the reign and the rule of God. There comes all the possibilities of heaven here on earth. That's the will of God, that his kingdom should come here on earth. And so God wants to see us enjoying the treasure knowing the pearl of great price. He wants to see us extending and giving ourselves to God for the sake of that kingdom, in prayer, in witness, in power. Oh my goodness, how we need to hear those words that Paul spoke to the Corinthians. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And you know, one of the great problems is our ignorance of the scriptures. How can we live in the power of the word of God if we don't know what God says? How do we know whether our lives agree with God if we don't know what God says? Hmm? And you can only agree with God if you agree with what he says. You wives know that you can't be at peace with your husband if you don't agree with what he says. And you husbands know that you can't be at peace with your wives if you don't agree with what they say. And you nuns are the same with your superior. If you don't agree with what they say, you're all dear. With God, it's even more the case, isn't it? If we disagree with what God says, how can we be in peace with God? 
Hmm? How can we agree with God? And how do we know whether we do agree with him if we're ignorant of his word? Constantly in my ministry, as dear good Christian people come and speak to me, I hear them saying one thing after another that is totally the opposite to what God says. They don't mean to. They're just blatantly disagreeing with him in ignorance. But when God gives us the scriptures, we've got no excuse for our ignorance. And when he gives us the spirit to bring the word of God to life, then we've got no excuse for our unbelief. If we didn't have the scriptures, we could say, well, I've got an excuse for my ignorance, but the Lord says, but I've given you them. And if we say, but I don't understand them, the Lord says, but I've given you my spirit to bring them to life, to teach you all things. That's the promise that Jesus says, that the spirit will teach us all things and will guide us into all truth, will take the things of mine and declare them to you. And you see, we can only live in the power of the word when we know the word. We, cannot, we will only do the things that God says we can do when we know what it is that he says we can do. Are you with me? And he says that if we believe him, nothing will be impossible. And the kingdom is not a question of talk, 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 talk. I think the renewal, you know, in these last few years has been talk, 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 and less and less power. You know, we all go into raptures of ecstasy every time a little miracle happens. And the kingdom is a question of power, that if we're proclaiming the kingdom, if we're living the kingdom, if in our worship Sunday by Sunday we're proclaiming the kingdom of God, the works of power will be there. Miracles are going to happen here tonight. Aren't they? You know why? Because we're proclaiming the kingdom of God. And the scripture says that if the kingdom of God is proclaimed, there will be signs following. You can't stop them and nor can I. And who wants to? They're going to happen because God says they will happen. Wherever his kingdom is proclaimed, there will be his power, because the kingdom is not a question of talk, but of power. Because it's heaven on earth. And Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is among you. It's there within you. It's all around you. It's all about you. Why? Because we're gathered together in Jesus' name. Do you believe that Jesus is here? Yes. Well, if you believe Jesus is here, the king is here. And if the king is here, the kingdom is here. And if the kingdom is here, all the resources of heaven are here. Can you see why the scripture says a kingdom isn't a question of talk, but of power? The talk is to just make us realize what is here and what is available and who is here and what he makes available to us. Because God knows his world and God loves his world and God doesn't want to see men suffering. He doesn't want them to see them going towards eternal death. He doesn't want to see them suffering from sickness and the bondage that Satan has so many people into. 
God loves every man, woman and child. God has sent his son and established a people, a kingdom people, in order that they might release the captives. And what does Jesus send believers out to do? Disciples out to do? And he calls us all to be disciples. He says, go and preach the kingdom. Go and tell people about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is among you. And he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers. Freely you have received, freely give. Those are words not just to a chosen few, they're words to his church, to his kingdom people. Those who are the true church. In other words, he's saying, get off your spiritual backsides and start exercising the faith that God gives you by the power of his spirit. Begin to open your heart to receive from God the love that he has for his world. All friends, we, we just don't appreciate, do we, how how much we could do if only we trusted God to use us instead of saying ah but I'm only weak little me God couldn't use me I'm just an ordinary Christian there's nothing special about me rubbish nothing special about you when God has given you his kingdom what an affront to the almighty Lord to say that he's taken you to the cross, he's made you a cr new creature, raised you to new life, he's made every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places available to you, he's made you a child of God and a citizen of the kingdom of heaven right here and now on earth, that the kingdom is among you, and you say there's nothing special? How dare we say that we can't do the things that God puts right in front of us to do? When the scriptures teach us clearly, I can do all things through him. Why? Because I've got kingdom life available to me. Hallelujah. God will work in me and through me. You see, it's not a question of thinking that we have got to go out and do it for God. It's a question of realizing and understanding and believing that God can and will work through us. That's the glory of it. If I was standing here and thinking, now Lord, tonight I've got to heal people, I'd be a non-starter. If I thought that that depended in any way upon me, But if I know my king and he says, Colin, you get up and proclaim the kingdom and the, the sick will be healed. Hallelujah. He's going to work. If he says you can go out in my name and heal, you have my authority that it's me doing it in you and through you, then that's fine. And you see, that's what it means to be part of the reign, the rule, the kingdom of God. Can you understand that? If you're under someone's reign, you simply do what he says. 
If you're under the lordship of someone, you let him call the tune. Do you understand? But you make yourself available to him. You don't say, well, King Jesus, this isn't quite my scene. You know, I'm the quiet type. I've never been very good at getting on with people, with talking to others, with sharing with others. Do you know how a glorious thing happened? I was preaching a message a little similar to this. It was about the kingdom anyway, so it was uh, the word of God. And a man came up to me at the end. A lot of healing had happened that night. And he came to me looking absolutely sort of free and liberated and full of joy. I don't know what he looked like before, but he said to me, I've never been able to talk to people. I've always been afraid of talking to people. And tonight God has set me free. And I just want to go all the way around the church talking to people. And he did just that. I watched him go from one person to another, talking. Why? Because fear doesn't belong in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of love. And we're taught that the perfect love of God casts out all fear. That God wants to bring us out of the bondage to fear, to liberate us, to set us free. Others say, but I wouldn't know how to start to share the life of the kingdom with others. But God will provide opportunities when you want them. Do you understand that? He answers the prayer of the heart. If you don't want them, he won't provide them. So if you don't really want them and they don't happen, then you can say, oh, well, God didn't provide any opportunities. But you need to ask yourself why he didn't provide any opportunities because he knew you didn't want them. Can you see what a glorious thing God is calling us to? He's saying, not only enjoy the kingdom, share the kingdom. What, there are about 300 people here tonight? Perhaps a bit more. But if every one of us went out and brought someone into the kingdom just within the tw next 12 months, that will be 600 people. And if those 600 went out and did the same thing in the second year, there'd be 1,200. And in the third year, 2,400. And in the fourth year, we'd be up to 4,800 and looking for fresh premises. And after five years, help, 9,600, is that right? After only five years, this group would become 9,600 by each person just witnessing and bringing into the kingdom one person in 365 days and six in the leap year. <laughs> Friends, God loves Britain. Mm. 
it's part of his world. God loves this nation. Not only does God love this nation, but God loves this generation. He loves the people who are this nation today. And it's God's purpose to reach this entire generation in this nation with his gospel. Now he has a church, he has a people, he has a body through whom to do that. But I tell you what God is witnessing to my heart in these days. That if his body doesn't do it, he'll find another way. Because he loves this nation, and he loves this generation, and he does not want the greater number of people in this generation to pass away into death. Jesus came to save this generation in this nation as much as any other generation in any other nation. And God will find a way despite us if he doesn't do it through us. I believe that's a warning to the church. It's a warning to us who are involved in the renewal of the church to broaden our vision and our understanding of what the purpose of God is because God's purpose is not simply that we should have more praiseful services. His purpose is not that we should be able to gather together in meetings like this and simply know the empowering of his Holy Spirit. What God's purpose is is not simply that we should learn to manifest spiritual gifts and see healings happen. But God's purpose is that his kingdom shall come and his will be done. And for this nation, in this generation, that means God's purpose is for his kingdom to come in Britain in our time. And to be manifestly so. Hundreds of thousands of people flocking into the kingdom of God. And why is the church a sick joke to most of the nation? Because we don't manifest the kingdom life. Because we don't proclaim the kingdom message to the world. And because we don't demonstrate the kingdom power. You suggest any other reason. Jesus went to the churches first. He went to the synagogues first. And when they refused to listen, he took his message out into the open, into the fields, into the city, into the temple courts. The apostles did the same. Wherever Paul went, Paul went first to the synagogue. 
And if those of the synagogue, the church of the day, if they wouldn't listen, he was out in the marketplace. Jesus preaches parable after parable after parable with the same message. He says to the church leaders of the day, prostitutes and tax collectors are entering the kingdom of heaven before you. Because these people repented. They turned to God. They took hold of the life of the kingdom. Hallelujah. They experienced the transformation of life. They became disciples and followers of the Lord. Now that's not a word of judgment upon church leaders today, but it's again a word of warning that in whatever status we are within the church, we have a part to play in being the answer to the coming of the kingdom. Jesus says, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. So he calls us to share this great task of turning a nation where unbelief is rife back to a nation of faith. Did you know that Britain, statistically, is the most godless nation in the Western world? The most faithless nation in the Western world. And God wants to change that. And he calls you and me to be a part of the change. But the first thing that God needs to deal with in us if we are to confront the unbelief and the spiritual forces of wickedness that have our nation in bondage is the unbelief in our own hearts. If we don't believe that we can do what God says we can do, if we don't believe the words of Jesus, how can we expect anybody else to? So I believe that God's calling us back to a new repentance tonight. And as we repent, we'll know kingdom life. Hallelujah. Because the king is here in the midst of us. And as we turn back to the king, he in his loving, loving, loving generosity and graciousness and mercy for all our unbelief will still pour out his grace and healing upon us to confirm his word as he promised. What a God. What a Lord. And what a mighty privilege to be part of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Hallelujah.
Let's pray together. <clears throat> Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Within your grasp, the life of heaven is within reach tonight. Hallelujah. So let's be quiet before our Lord and Saviour so that every one of us may speak from our hearts to him. Ask him to forgive that unbelief Ask him to forgive the ways in which we have such a poor estimate of what we can do. And it's true that without Christ we can do nothing. But we're not without Christ. And in him all things become possible. Let's ask him to forgive our ignorance of his word. But so often we fail to act in his power and do the things that are possible because we're ignorant of what power he has made available to us. We're ignorant of what he says we can do. and ask the Holy Spirit to be the teacher of his words to us. Father, we bring to you any other sin that you lay upon us now, anything that isn't worthy of your kingdom, any area of darkness that we try to keep away from your light, those secret sins that we would be afraid of others knowing about. We bring them into your light now so that you might cleanse us of them. We bring you our fears, Lord, that so often prevent us from reaching out in love. <coughs> so often we use as an excuse so that we don't share your kingdom with others. 
in word or in deed or in power. Forgive us for the times when we've offered human solutions instead of turning people to your kingdom. Forgive us for the times when we've questioned whether you could use us to be instruments of your power to others. When you say that we receive your power, when we receive your spirit, Forgive us for believing our feelings and doubts as to whether we're part of your kingdom and establish in our hearts that certainty, that knowledge, that total awareness of belonging to you, of being accepted by you and loved by you and forgiven by you, of being your children, of being part of your glorious kingdom. And we give to you, Lord, ourselves. You know every heart now. You know what's going on in us, Lord. But I believe, Father, that there are many here tonight who want to give themselves afresh to you for the sake of your kingdom, to be used for your kingdom, to be witnesses of others in different ways as you lead, but to really be concerned to pray faithfully, to pray people into your kingdom. Forgive us, Lord, for the ways in which we look down upon those who do not believe. Forgive us for any ways in which we've spoken disparagingly of them, the ways in which we've often criticized them, either within ourselves or to others. And Lord, give us the love for them that will pray them into the kingdom. And show us, Lord, teach us how to exercise that authority to deliver them from so much of the bondage that makes them deaf to the words of your gospel. We acknowledge, Lord, that because we're part of your kingdom, everything that we are and everything that we have is yours. And we give it all to you now, Lord. Just show every one of us, we pray, any area of our life that is not yielded to you, those areas where we've been holding on, where we still want to be King and Lord, even though we say you are. We acknowledge that you're Lord of our homes, Lord of our families, Lord of our husbands and wives and children, King of our relationships, that you're King and Lord over our future, our time, our work, our life within the body of Christ, that you're King and Lord of all our finances and all our property, of everything that we dare to call our own is all really yours and is all included in your kingdom. And Lord, thank you that you tell us 
not to lay up treasures on earth, but to have our treasure in heaven, in that kingdom. Lord, may we devote all that we are and have to the good of your kingdom, to the extension of your kingdom. Lord, we just ask for your grace now that every single person in this church will be able to forgive where they need to forgive. Thank you that you've forgiven us for so much that we can afford to be generous. Thank you that you teach us in that other parable that kingdom life is forgiving as you have forgiven us. Thank you, Lord, that as we inherit the riches of your kingdom so we can freely forgive. Praise your name. And so we thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. We thank you that you say in your word that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us with all unrighteousness, from all unrighteousness. So, Lord, we just believe now that you cleanse every one of us who has confessed from his or her heart with your loving forgiveness right now. And we thank you, Lord, that you have loved us, that you accept us into your glorious kingdom. Hallelujah. Let's stand and worship the Lord and sing, Father, we adore you. We lay our lives before you. How we love you. Father, of the answer as well as those who pray the words Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us and Father, we pray for your church as the first fruits of your kingdom. We pray for your church in this country, in this generation. And Lord, we pray that 
your kingdom, your reign, your rule will be manifested in every member of your body. Not in some, but in all. Lord, we ask you to work through your church by the power of your spirit that more and more of those who worship you will submit their lives to your sovereignty, your lordship, and the glorious life and liberty of your kingdom. And we pray, Lord, that you will make your church that instrument that will speak boldly the word of the kingdom of God to this nation. And that in speaking that word boldly, we will perform the signs and the wonders, or you will perform them through us to confirm that word, to show this nation that God lives in his church, that God and his kingdom is present among men. Thank you that you give to us the same message as you gave to your son. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Today, here and now. Lord, make us witnesses and heralds of that mighty good news. We pray for all the pastors and leaders, the bishops, the priests, the clergy, the ministers, all who you call to pastoral leadership and responsibility in your church. Lord, may they all have the vision of your kingdom, the enthusiasm for your kingdom. May they all preach and proclaim your kingdom. And Lord, may they lead people into your kingdom and to lead your people to be those who will extend the borders of your kingdom. And all this we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's share the words of the grace together. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be us all Amen. Colin Urquhart was given words of knowledge of healing for many people in the congregation and there was also prayer for the people of Ireland which unfortunately we've not been able to include on this cassette. Further copies of the cassette may be obtained from Christian Audio Vision Services Limited, 171 Chase Side, Enfield, Middlesex.